Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to yet another edition of the one and only Sean Sports Top Podcast, where your boy reports the biggest news in sports. You already know what it is. This is episode number 320. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, I'm going to cover the biggest news in sports and give my opinion on everything going on. We have some baseball, basketball season started, football season is coming to a close. Um, not a huge day in terms of sports news, but I'm sure there will be more in the coming days. And uh, first of all, I'd like to thank Crimson IT for sponsoring today's podcast episode. Uh, if you or someone you know has a smaller, medium-sized company that needs managed IT services, hit them up, tell them that you found them from my podcast, and you'll get a huge discount. Follow me on Instagram at theboy 62 That's T-H-A-B-O-Y-Y-62. With all that said, let's get right into it, starting with some baseball. This was a very interesting one. The San Diego Padres are reportedly a, quote, possible suitor if the Chicago Cubs decide to trade starting pitcher Hugh Darvish before the 2021 season. Now, this is a situation where both teams have some decisions to make. The Cubs, obviously, they won the World Series in 2016. That's now a pretty distant memory at five years. Uh, You know, they did win the World Series and break the curse, but I can't help but say that they kind of underperformed as far as their whole dynasty was concerned. Uh, I think, I mean, they were looking like, like the Golden State Warriors of baseball. Um, which was what the Houston Astros sort of became, albeit the cheating. But anyway, back to the point. And since then, Theo Epstein left. The team is not the same. They're a decent team, but they're not a World Series contending team. They let Kyle Schwarber leave. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Um, and so so they have some decisions to make. If they trade, Yu Darvish was a Cy Young finalist this past season, losing out to, it was Trevor Bauer in the National League. So if you trade away you Darvish, then you're telling your fans and you're telling your players, uh, this is from the GM's point of view, that you're telling them that, you know, we're tanking or we're losing or we want to, you know, develop our prospects, develop the farm system at the major league level that we don't believe we're a World Series contending team. If you keep you Darvish, then, you know, the Cubs are on the fence. The San Diego Padres, on the other hand, they were a very, very bad team for many, many, many years. Uh, always in the shadows of the Los Angeles Dodgers and or San Francisco Giants in the National League West up until last season. You know, they have a future star, current star already, but future superstar in Fernando Tatis Jr. They signed Manny Machado away from the Dodgers in a huge, gave him a huge contract, 13 years, 300 some million. You know, they have Eric Hosmer. They traded for Mike Clevenger. So they've been very aggressive. They did make it to the NLDS last season, getting swept by the Los Angeles Dodgers. So an acquisition like you Darvish could possibly, you could look at it in two ways. It could possibly push them over the edge and may possibly give them the edge that they need to, again, possibly beat the Dodgers in the series. I'm saying possibly so much because it's not a guaranteed thing. The Dodgers are a dynasty. They, they've uh, made the World Series three out of the past four seasons, winning it once this past season. Uh, they added Mookie Betts. They, they just added Tommy Canely and Corey Knebel to a World Series winning team and bullpen. So they're, they're a very, very, very good team with a very deep farm system, a lot of money to spend, a lot of homegrown talent, a lot of free agent signings. So that's why I'm hesitant to say that a U Darvish acquisition for the Padres would propel them past the Dodgers. It would give them a chance. Uh, but again, that's if they face each other in the playoffs. Even with you, Darvish, I don't see the Padres winning the division over the Dodgers unless maybe it's another shortened season and anything is possible. But yeah, um, the Padres are one possible suitor for you, Darvish, according to John Morosi. Um, San Diego has high-end prospect depth from which to trade, and 
Uh, AJ Preller knows Darvish well from their time together with the Rangers. Darvish was drafted and spent many years with the Rangers. He was then traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers in the 2017 season. He spent only one season there. He uh, started Game 7 of the World Series for the Dodgers against the Houston Astros when the uh, Astros cheated and the Dodgers lost. He then signed with a huge contract with the Chicago Cubs, and he disappointed in his first couple seasons but bounced back from injuries and poor pitching last season with a Cy Young uh, finalist season. I mean, he was he was dominant. 2.01 ERA, .96 whip with 93 strikeouts in 76 innings across 12 starts during the coronavirus shortened season. Um, that's what they expected when they signed him to a $126 million contract over six years. But they might not trade that contract to the Padres. We'll see. To be honest, I think it's a good move. Um, I think it's a good move for both teams. Uh, again, I don't think the Cubs are World Series contenders. So I think trading Darvish for a lot of players is the right move. And as for the Padres, you know, they've been a very bad team for so long. Their time to, to, to strike is now. I think that they've been aggressive. I think they need to stay as aggressive. And trading for you, Darvish, would be that move. Uh, transitioning to football. The Seattle Seahawks and wide receiver Josh Gordon reportedly were notified on Tuesday, quote, that he has not satisfied all terms of his conditional reinstatement, according to the Seattle Times. Bob Condota from the Seattle Times added that Gordon would be permitted to participate in team meetings and individual workouts, but could not practice or play in games with the team. Um, I don't understand this logic. I mean, yes, he's had a history with substance abuse, but I mean, the guy likes to smoke some weed. What's the huge issue when you have um, domestic violence abusers and literal, literal murderers playing in your league, but you can't have a pot smoker play in the league? It's a little strange to me. The Seahawks had activated Gordon to their 53-man roster on Monday. He's 29 years old. He last played... Um, in the NFL for the New England Patriots and Seahawks in 2019, catching 27 passes for 426 yards and a touchdown. He was suspended in December of 2019 for another violation of the NFL's performance-enhancing substances and substance abuse policy, which has been a theme for his NFL career as, he, and he, as he's been suspended on six separate occasions. Um, you know, he was one of the most dynamic wide receivers in his rookie season with the Cleveland Browns. He was he, He's insanely talented. But he just can't stay off the weed. And to be honest, in the times we live in, I don't blame the guy. I don't see why it's such a huge deal for the NFL. I don't see why they're still testing for weed, to be honest. But th those are their protocols. Those are their rules. And, um, you know, he has to he has to follow them if he wants to play in the NFL. That's all there is to it. Transitioning to more football. With two weeks left in the 2020 season, NFL executives believe that Patrick Mahomes is the clear front runner for the league's MVP award. And I would tend to agree with them. A poll of 22 high-ranking executives resulted in 13 votes for the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback, while Green Bay Packers star Aaron Rodgers received only six votes, according to NFL.com. Quote, he is the hardest player to stop in the league, one exec said of Mahomes. Rodgers is right there, but this guy Mahomes, he makes the unique look routine. He's unbelievable. Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen received two votes, and Tennessee Titans running back um, Derrick Henry got one vote. I mean, I agree. Mahomes, he's insane. He's in his third season, I believe. Now he threw... Guy threw for 50 touchdowns in his rookie season, and he won the MVP in his rookie season. He then won a Super Bowl and won Super Bowl MVP in his second season. Had a bit of a down year on, you know, with his standards as far as numbers. But this year, it's a, I mean, the guy is insane. 4,462 passing yards, adding 36 passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and only five interceptions, three of which came in one game. So if not for that game, he would only have two interceptions on the season. Um, He's just probably capable of a little more freaky shit, another executive said. It's still important, though, to not discount Aaron Rodgers. In my opinion, Aaron Rodgers is the greatest and most talented quarterback of all time. Uh, and this season, he's led the Packers to, a, to an 11-3 record. 
Uh, he leads the NFL with 40 touchdown passes and a 118 quarterback rating while only throwing four interceptions. He, and the two-time MVP is doing this. Um, he's doing this in his 16th season. He's I'm almost inclined to call him the LeBron James of uh, football as far as how dominant he's been for how long. And um, he just doesn't have the rings to back it up. I believe he only has one Super Bowl. And with that, we're switching gears to more football. Now, this was some middle school shit, to be honest. Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster said on Wednesday that he's going to stop dancing on opponents' midfield logos before road games. Quote, for the betterment of myself and my teammates, I'm going to stop dancing on the logos. That sounds like a very, um, very, <laughs> very organic apology there from Juju. Smith-Schuster's pregame dance party started to attract attention after he posted a video on TikTok. For those of you that don't know, I'm sure you do. It's a social media platform. Showing him on the Buffalo Bills logo in week 14, the, the Bills took immediate notice. Quarterback Josh Allen appeared to reference it in his speech to the offense before leaving the tunnel, saying, quote, let them do all the talking, all the fucking dancing. We do the fucking work. And safety Jordan Poyer com- confirmed it provided an extra boost. Quote, I ain't going to lie. Seeing them dancing on our logo pregame and seeing all that, that turns you up a little bit. He told reporters after a 26-15 win over Pittsburgh, it kind of gives you a little second itch to come out there and play with a little extra fire. So if anything, Juju was only hurting his team making himself look stupid, losing games for the Steelers. So I just don't understand what he was thinking. He said he'd been doing the dances for most of the season and didn't plan to stop, which he backed up by dancing on the Cincinnati Bengals logo before Monday's Week 15 game, and we all know how that ended. The, the Steelers, who were once 11-0, lost to the 2-10-1 and Cincinnati Bengals. Quote, one thing I'll tell you guys, I'm not going to stop being myself. I'm going to be the juju I came to be authentic. TikTok is a new platform that I use to stay in touch with my fans and grow. This is something I've been doing since the start of the season, mid-season. I'm not going to stop doing it. But clearly he will, since coach Mike Tomlin likely digged into the kid. After Monday's upset, Bengals safety Von Bell hinted that Smith-Schuster provided extra motivation, saying, quote, I seen 19. Bell told reporters with a smile about what he saw before he laid a big hit on the wide receiver. I'm not a boastful guy, man. I just go out there and let my play do the talking. It just happened that it comes to that. I'm just playing football, man, just going out there and, pl- and trying to make a play. Um... Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin, who's downplayed any motivational edge that could be gained from the dancing, explained on Tuesday that he did plan to discuss the situation with his star receiver, and it looks like he did, saying, quote, I'm aware of it, and I do plan to talk to Juju, but we're professionals. I doubt any of those antics and things of that nature are legitimate motivating factors as you step into the professional stadiums. It's about respect. So it's just, at the end of the day, it comes down to just, just immaturity. Just being childish, being immature—that's all it comes down to. He absolutely knew that other that that fans of opposing teams and players of opposing teams would dislike it, and he kept doing it. And I mean, the guy went from arguably the most loved football player in all of the NFL to one of the most hated just because he wanted to dance on some te- on some logos. It's kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. Uh, now we're switching gears to the NBA. Wednesday's opener between the Houston Rockets and Oklahoma City Thunder has been postponed in accordance. With the league's health and safety protocols, the NBA noted the Rockets had three players return positive or inconclusive COVID-19 tests, with four other players quarantining as a result of contact tracing. Rocket star James Harden was also deemed, quote, unavailable due to violation of health and safety protocols. There will be more on James Harden later in the episode. The soap opera continues, I promise you that. Uh, Between COVID-19 protocols and injuries, Houston did not have the eight-player minimum required to play. That's kind of crazy. Woja VSPN reported earlier in the day, and that John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins were among the Rockets players sent home as a result of contact tracing. 
Per Woj, multiple players gathered at an apartment to get a haircut, and while Wall and Cousins both tested negative, they had to leave the team facility because a teammate returned a positive test. So it's good that the NBA is being very serious about this um, with COVID and the pandemic. Simply because um, if they weren't, if they weren't, they, you know, it would be very hard to keep an NBA season going with all the positive tests. And speaking of potential positive tests, I mean, yeah, this guy, this guy is something else. Uh, for those of you that follow, for the, for those of you that follow the NBA on Reddit, um, it's a forum platform. I'm sure you've heard of it. James Harden is notorious for liking strip clubs and. Some fellow, I need to, I need to actually pull this data up on a, on a future episode. Some guy, literally, he, he tracked a correlation between uh, James Harden's performance on the court and whether or not, and he tracked the correlation between James Harden's performance on the court and whether or not James Harden went to a strip club in that city and how good the strip clubs are. And he made a whole chart and graph and data and he linked the correlation between the quality of strip clubs in the city that James Harden played in the day the day after. You get what I'm saying. He linked the correlation between the strip clubs that James Harden went to and his quality of play the day after. That's what I wanted to say. So uh, speaking of that, Houston Rockets star James Harden denied that he was at a strip club in a viral video that was circulating on the internet recently, saying, quote, uh, he wrote on an Instagram story, uh, that he was going to, quote, show love to my homegirl at her event, not a strip club because she's becoming a boss and putting her people in position of success, and now it's a problem. Um, so the, the game was postponed that I just talked about, maybe not only because of this, but this was definitely a contributing factor. Uh, McMahon, Tim McMahon added that Harden, quote, admits violating the NBA's COVID-19 protocols with prohibited players from going to bars, lounges, or clubs, or social events with more than 15 people. TMZ Sports reported on December 7th that Harden had been partying in Atlanta and Las Vegas. He has since claimed that he was training in those cities and not uh, partying. So this guy is just something else. And I'm not at this point, since he admitted that he violated COVID-19 protocols, I'm interested to see if the NBA would punish him further had he admitted that he was at a strip club. I mean, why would he admit to violating COVID-19 protocols and then uh, and then deny being at a strip club? I'm not sure what the rationale is there. But we are transitioning to more basketball. Milwaukee Bucks superstar Giannis Antetokounmpo said that he's, quote, upset that he missed a potential game-tying free throw in Wednesday's 122-121 to loss to the Boston Celtics. But he's hopeful it's a learning experience, saying, quote, hopefully when I'm in the same position, I can make the next one. That's the mentality you've got to have. But obviously, there's a little bit of a weight on your shoulders because if you miss, that's it for your team. I'm a winner, and I want to do whatever it takes for my team to win. But you know you learn from every situation that basketball puts you in. That's the right mentality. It's the first game of the season. Yes, he could have tied the game with that free throw at 122. But someone speaking as someone that watched that game, um, you know, that the game wasn't decided on that one free throw. The Bucks should have had a way bigger lead going down the stretch. He was terrific. Giannis was terrific for most of the game as he finished with 35 points, 13 rebounds, two assists, and two blocks in 36 minutes. So um, it's only the first game of the season. It's better to, to have this kind of game now than let's say in the playoffs. And um, now we're switching gears to baseball. This was a, an interesting trade. The Pittsburgh Pirates have traded first baseman Josh Bell to the Washington Nationals for pitching prospects Eddie Yeen and Will Crow on Thursday. Uh, this is a great trade for the Pirates. They get two very solid pitching prospects for the Nationals. The Pirates, are the, they were the worst team in baseball. So they definitely don't need Josh Bell and they get to rebuild. As for the Nationals, they won the World Series in 2019. They were huge underdogs the whole way. Um, 
a bit of a recap. They were they were the worst team in baseball this season that season in May. They made the playoffs, shocked the juggernaut Dodgers in five games in the NLDS, swept the Cardinals in the NLCS, and took the Houston Astros to seven games and beat them in seven on the road in the World Series. The year after this last season, they missed the playoffs as Anthony Rendon signed elsewhere and Steven Strasburg was injured for much of the, the shortened season. Uh, so this was a good move. Howie Kendrick has since retired a few days ago. I covered this. This was a great uh, pickup for the Nationals. They need power hitting. They need a first baseman. Uh, Bell has spent his entire career with the Pirates, emerging as a power hitting all-star during the 2019 season. He struggled during the COVID-19 shortened 2020 season, hitting 226 with eight home runs and 22 RBIs. But the Nationals are are um, are betting or banking, I should say, on a bounce back season. So this is a, a pretty good mutual trade, in my opinion. Uh, now switching gears to the NFL, I'm not not sure what the logic here is, to be honest with you. But uh, George Kittle, the San Francisco 49ers tight end, will play uh, Week 16 against the Arizona Cardinals. He's returning from, from a foot injury. Niners head coach Kyle Shanahan announced the news Thursday, but noted Kittle will be on a pitch count. Uh, that's a baseball term for those of you that don't know. For pitchers um, uh, that they that are returning from injury, that managers don't want to, uh, you know, get injured so much. It has been an injury-filled season for the 27-year-old who, who was placed on the injured reserve after breaking a bone in his foot in Week 8. He also dealt with a knee injury that cost him two games earlier in the year. Uh, despite the setback, Kittle has remained focused on getting back onto the field as soon as possible, saying, quote, When I first got hurt, my mindset was that I'll be, ba- was that I'll be back, and I'm going to continue to keep that mindset because I definitely feel like I'm going to be on the field here sooner than later. So, I mean, it's all very admirable, but I just don't see why the Niners are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. I don't see, I don't see why uh, he's playing, but it's probably only because, because of his passion for the game. I mean, I don't think there's any other explanation. Now, switching gears to more James Harden. It appears that James Harden's trade destination wish list is growing to the point where it may soon be anywhere but Houston. He has since added the Boston Celtics and Portland Trailblazers to a list of teams that includes the Brooklyn Nets, Philadelphia 76ers, Milwaukee Bucks, and Miami Heat. Um, So let's take a look at him possibly joining the Blazers or Celtics. Uh, Working under the obvious assumption that Jason Tatum is untouchable, I mean, I highly doubt Boston would ever trade him in a Harden trade. That would leave Jalen Brown as the likely centerpiece of any trade package for Harden, which if you're the Celtics, you could possibly do a package of Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and a pick or two would work under the cap and may be enough to get hard into Boston. But I'm not sure that Houston would do that trade, to be honest. Uh, but it would be tough for Celtics fans as Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart are both huge Celtics uh, fan favorites. And to be honest, it's very similar to what I was talking about with the Brooklyn Nets or what Max Kellerman said that literally the Brooklyn Nets trading for James Harden would make them worse. I mean, you would have to give up so much of your team and he would potentially ruin your team chemistry. So I look at it as the same way in Boston. You trade away two dogs and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, two great three and D guys for James Harden, someone who's a, t- a team cancer. Let's put it the way it is. I mean, he's a sensational player. He's he's arguably the best offensive player of all time. I mean, he's a sensational talent, but the attitude and the personality, he might ruin Boston's chemistry. So I'm just not sure. Um, maybe maybe the Kyrie Irving left Celtics GM Danny Ainge a little wary of trading for superstars. As for the Blazers, they're the more interesting addition, in my opinion, because they may have a willingness, but not quite an ability to get into the Harden sweepstakes. Any trade package begins with CJ McCollum. And, uh, you know, when I first saw this, I was thinking, man, the Blazers would be so cold if they could somehow get Harden into Portland without losing CJ McCollum. But just thinking about it rationally, they would have to include CJ McCollum. 
who is the long longtime co-star to Damian Lillard. Uh, while McCollum could give the Rockets a solid borderline all-star to stay competitive, he's 29 years old and he's not good enough to be a standalone piece in the Harden trade. That would never be a, st- a uh, that would never be a straight-up trade. Uh, they could add someone like Anthony Simmons or Nasir Little and picks to a package with CJ McCollum. So we'll see. Harden is <laughs> he's making his list pretty much anywhere but Houston, and we'll see what happens. Now switching gears to my picks for Week 16 of the NFL season, we'll we'll cover them at the spread. Uh, so first off, the, tomorrow's game we have the Minnesota Vikings at the New Orleans Saints. The Vikings are six and eight. The Saints are ten and four. Saints are the home team. The DraftKings line is New Orleans minus seven. Uh, the Saints are coming off a rough performance against the Kansas City Chiefs, um, but that's understandable. Drew Brees was in his first game um, since the rib injury. The Vikings are coming off a loss against the Chicago Bears, but to be honest, I like the Vikings at plus seven on this one. Uh, the Saints will probably win the game. But I like the Vikings at plus seven personally. I think they're they're just a rugged team and they're not a bad team. I think they can they can keep it pretty close. Um, next up, we have the nine and five Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the five and nine Detroit Lions. And if you like numbers nine and five, I got good news for you. The DraftKings line is Tampa Bay minus nine and a half. Mm. You know. I'm tempted to go with the Lions on this one. The Buccaneers will definitely win this game, obviously with Tom Brady and all that, and their loaded offense. Bruce Arians is the coach. But, man, I mean, the Lions had close games with the Packers. I think the Packers are better than the Buccaneers. I just don't see the Buccaneers covering minus 9.5 in this game personally, but I do think that they will win the game. Next up, we have the 5-9 and nine San Francisco 49ers at the 8-6 and six Arizona Cardinals. Arizona is a minus 5 favorite. This one is very easy. I love Arizona on this one. The Niners are coming off a loss to the Dallas Cowboys. They've been um, they've been bitten by the injury bug all season. The Cardinals actually have something to play for. They want to make the playoffs. So I like the Cardinals on this one, no doubt. Next up, the 9-5 Miami Dolphins at the 7-7 seven seven Las Vegas Raiders. The line is Miami minus 3, and I love this line. Uh, you know, they're not overwhelming favorites. I think they should be, honestly. I think they're a much better team than the than the Raiders are. They just beat the Patriots. Um and I think they'll cover minus three pretty easily. Here's one that is easy. The 4-10 and ten Atlanta Falcons at the 13-1 and one Kansas City Chiefs. The line is Kansas City minus 10.5, and, and you take this all day. There's no doubt about it. I would expect this line to be like minus 15, but at minus 10.5, you go with Kansas City. Bet the house on Kansas City. The booming New York Jets at 1-13 are hosting the 10-4 and four Cleveland Browns. It is minus 9.5 Cleveland. This one's interesting. I think Cleveland's going to win, but I I don't see them necessarily winning by more than nine and a half points. I like the Jets on this one at plus nine and a half, and we've learned uh, that you know they just the Jets just beat the Rams last week at plus seventeen and a half. So we'll see. Next up, the five and nine New York Giants at the nine and five Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are a huge favorite at minus eleven. I think that's a little egregious, personally, a little bit. But I think they'll win by more than 11 points. I'm not sure if Daniel Jones is playing for the Giants. They're coming off a loss to the Cleveland Browns, while the Ravens have been playing pretty solid football. I mean, they're 9-5 and five after all. So I like the Ravens at minus 11 on this one. Next up, the 7-7 seven and seven Chicago Bears at the 1-13 Jacksonville Jaguars. The Bears are at minus 7.5. There is no doubt about this one. The Bears are coming off a win over the Minnesota Vikings. The Jaguars are coming off a blowout loss to the Baltimore Ravens. The Jaguars have nothing to play for. They want to tank for Trevor, and that's why the Bears will win by at least 7.5 points. Next up, the 3-10-1 Cincinnati Bengals at the 4-10 Houston Texans. Now, this this is interesting. I mean, both teams have bad records. 
The Texans are better than four, than their four and ten record suggests, in my opinion. The Bengals just beat the eleven and two Pittsburgh Steelers, so I like Cincinnati on this one. I think I think minus eight and a half is a little is a little too much for the Texans. I think they'll win a close game, like maybe a four three to five point game, but I think eight and a half is way too much for the Texans. Next up, here's an interesting one: the ten and four Indianapolis Colts at the eleven and three Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers have lost three straight games. Since starting the season off 11 and 0, the Colts are minus two favorites on the road, and I like them at minus two personally. I like minus two Colts. I think they win this game. Next up, the four and ten Carolina Panthers at the six and eight Washington football team. Washington is minus two and a half. Um, not really sure on this one. I'd probably go with Washington. They're the home team. They're the favorite. I like them at minus two and a half. The five and nine Denver Broncos at the five and nine Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are minus three favorites. Uh, I like the Chargers, on, uh, the Chargers on this one. I think they're just the better team this year, despite having the same record. They've had very, very many close losses. I think they should be better than 5-9, and nine, and they are better than 5-9. and nine. So I like them at minus 3 against the Broncos. Next up, the 4-9-1 Philadelphia Eagles at the 5-9 and nine Dallas Cowboys. Huge matchup, huge NFC East matchup for these two teams as it's still up for grabs. The Eagles are minus 2 favorites on the road, and I like them at minus 2. Jalen Hurts has been, has been playing very well. I like the Eagles on this one at minus 2. Next up, the 9-5 Los Angeles Rams at the 10-4 Seattle Seahawks. A huge NFC West matchup. The Rams are obviously coming off a shocking loss to the New York Jets, the winless New York Jets, while the Seahawks edged out the Washington football team on the road last week. Seahawks are minus 1.5 favorites at home. Personally, personally, I like the Rams on this one. Everyone's picking Seattle. I like the Rams. I'm a Rams fan. I think they're going to bounce back strong. And, um, yeah, I like the Rams. Uh, we're having some technical difficulties here. Give me one second. Let's see what's next. We got two more games. The ten and here's a great one. The ten and four Tennessee Titans at the eleven and three Green Bay Packers. The Packers are minus three and a half favorites. Man, I like Tennessee on this one. I think the Packers could win, but at plus three and a half, I like the Titans. Derrick Henry's a beast. He literally got an MVP vote as a running back. So I'm gonna go with the Titans on this one. But obviously, the Packers are very great. And lastly. The 11-3 Buffalo Bills at the 6-8 and eight New England Patriots. The Patriots have no passing game. They don't have much of an offense of any kind. The Bills have been booming. They're 11-3. They're minus 7 favorites, and I'm going with the Bills uh, pretty convincingly. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is all we have for this episode of Sean's Sports Stop. Thank you guys so much for listening. This was episode number 320, and I'll see you guys on the next one.